Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Good Monday morning. It's October 9, 2023. Thanks for tuning in to EWTN's Catholic Connection. And we wake up this morning with the continual bad news out of the Holy Land, where there is a horrible situation, which I'm sure you've been monitoring over the weekend, as many of us have. We now have 1,100 people killed in this war involving Israel and Hamas, 700 plus Israelis, and 400 in the Gaza Strip. And the fighting continues, and the story continues continues to develop. It's a breaking story. We'll try to keep you up to date uh, in the news. And then during the week, we'll be having special interviews. I did speak with my friend Steve Ray yesterday on the phone before I traveled back to Rome, before Kelly Walquist and I lead our wine and shrine pilgrimage later this week. Uh, Steve is home. Uh, Jeff Cavins actually was in the Middle East and had to fly home, and we'll have more on that later in the week as well. Very, very tense situation, obviously, not only here, or not only there, excuse me, in the Middle East, but around the world and in other places around the country where there are large Jewish and Arabic populations, there's concerns in those regions as well. Call for prayer, the Pope made mention of it as well, and it's just a very, very volatile situation. So we'll have an update in the news, but I was thinking if it were possible, it's not because of the developments of our travel to do a, a live broadcast today. So what I'm going to share with you is an interview that we had taped, a fresh interview with Dr. Scott French. And I was thinking of coming up with something else in light of what's going on, but I think actually having an expert on Eucharistic miracles on today is fitting because we know that our Lord is with us. We know Emmanuel, and we know that he promises that he'll be with us until the end of the age. But I think it's important for us to refocus and give ourselves some strength. So we pray and we hope, and we know that our hope is in Christ. And if you listen to this interview that we did with Dr. Scott French, this fresh interview with new information on Eucharistic miracles, recent ones, and also on a series of talks he's going to be giving in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, despite all the bad news out there, I think you'll be encouraged. We should be encouraged because at the end of the day, it is all about Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So that is our program for a Monday morning in the uh, National Hour of the Catholic Connection program. I do want to, on a side note, say a big thank you to Bishop McKnight and the wonderful team of the Ladies' Ministry, Barb and the whole gang. They did such a wonderful job of welcoming me for their women's retreat, and it was just very well organized, went very smoothly, and it was a blessing to meet so many amazing, amazing sisters in the Lord and a wonderful bishop who obviously is loved by his flock. He spent a lot of time with us this week, and I really appreciate it. And I did not know that he had done so much research and study on the diaconate and even wrote a book about the diaconate, and he gave a book to me and Deacon Dom. So I'm excited to sit down and read that book by Bishop McKnight from the Diocese of Jefferson City. Let's get started on a Monday. Monday morning with the news on October 9th. And after hundreds of deaths, Michael Herzog, Israel's ambassador to the U.S., says, as Jim Forbes tells us, the country will fight to win following that surprise attack from the Hamas militant group over the weekend. 
Herzog called the scenes on the ground, quote, horrific, saying Hamas is continuing to commit war crimes. He went on to call for the international community to, quote, unequivocally stand up and condemn the attacks. Hundreds of people were killed and over 1,600 injured in Saturday's surprise rocket attacks and the heavy fighting that followed in several Israeli towns bordering the Gaza Strip. I'm Jim Forbes. Flights from the U.S. to Israel are being canceled after Saturday's surprise attack by Hamas militants. American, United, and Delta have canceled weekend flights to Tel Aviv from major U.S. cities, including Chicago, New York, and San Francisco. A spokesperson for Delta said the airline will work with the U.S. government to assist with the safe return of any Americans who want to come home. At least 100 people are dead after two powerful earthquakes hit Afghanistan. The U.S. Geological Survey saying two 6.3 magnitude quakes struck western Afghanistan late Saturday morning, followed by several strong aftershocks. The U.N. agency in Afghanistan saying initial assessments indicate as many as 100 people could have been killed in eight villages, with hundreds more hurt and thousands being displaced after their homes crumbled in the quake. Authorities expect that death toll to rise as search and rescue efforts continue. Ohio issue one, an upcoming referendum vote that could institute a right to unlimited abortion in the state constitution, took center stage at the Ohio March for Life on Friday. As Catholic News Agency explains, thousands of pro-lifers marched in the capital city of Columbus, including large groups of Catholics from parishes and schools across the state, holding signs reading vote no on issue one. The Ohio March was organized by the same group behind the National March for Life from Washington, which takes place every year in January, also in conjunction with Ohio Right to Life. The march, which saw the participation of several political leaders, included Senator J.D. Vance, comes one month ahead of that statewide vote on Issue 1 on November 7th. In a statement on the protection of the rights of children, as Lisa Zangarini at the Vatican explains, the permanent observer mission of the Holy See to the UN is highlighting the need for public policies supporting parents and protecting children from the dangers of the digital world. The promotion and the protection of the rights of the child cannot be separated from measures to support and strengthen the family, said Monsignor Robert Murphy addressing the third committee of the UN General Assembly on the topic of the promotion and protection of the rights of children, the Vatican representative reaffirmed that a society that promotes the protection of the child promotes the well-being of the family, which is its natural and fundamental group unit. He therefore pointed to the need for policies that support and complement families, in the statement, Monsignor Murphy reiterated the Holy See's position that all children deserve to be cherished, nurtured and protected and that children need safeguards and care before and after birth. In particular, he advocated against abortion and medically assisted reproduction, which he said is incompatible with the respect for the dignity and rights of the child. The Vatican representative went on to highlight the urgent need to protect children from the digital world, warning that IC technologies can facilitate child exploitation, trafficking, remote child abuse and inappropriate exposure to sexual material. 
while reiterating the strong condemnation of the production, distribution and use of child pornography facilitated today by the digital technologies, Monsignor Murphy also expressed the Holy See's concerns for the dramatic growth of adult pornography, which is increasingly accessible to children. Allies of Kevin McCarthy are calling for, as Brad Siegel tells us, fundamental changes that would make it more difficult for a small faction to oust the U.S. House Speaker. The group of 45 mostly centrist Republicans are demanding rule changes to ensure that a handful of Republicans will not be able to side with House Democrats to vote out the next Speaker of the House. In a letter Friday, the group said, we cannot allow our majority to be dictated to by an alliance between the Chaos Caucus and the minority party. Republicans will vote on a nominee for House Speaker in a closed-door session on Wednesday. I'm Brad Siegel. Meanwhile, an upcoming Republican fundraiser to honor recently ousted House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is now being postponed. The National Republican Congressional Committee had scheduled the majority gala for this Thursday at a hotel in downtown Dallas. A spokesperson for the GOP committee confirming the postponement over the weekend. The head of the committee told U.S. House Republicans a dinner was being postponed so they can focus on electing a new speaker. And the leader of the United Auto Workers Union says General Motors has made some progress at the bargaining table. Moments before this broadcast, we have had a major breakthrough that has not only dramatically changed negotiations, but it's going to change the future of our union and the future of our industry. During an update late Friday, Union President Sean Fain said GM has leapfrogged the pack in negotiations. This comes as UAW's work stoppage stretches the past three-week mark. Fain said the union still has not reached a tentative agreement with any of the big three automakers. Union members have been on strike against GM, Ford, and Stellantis since September 15th. And the fraud trial of a former crypto king wrapping up its first week last week in a Manhattan federal courtroom. FTX co-founder and one-time crypto billionaire Sam Bankman-Fried facing multiple charges of money laundering and fraud. Prosecutors say Bankman-Fried defrauded customers of his digital currency, exchange, FTX, and his cryptocurrency hedge fund. If found guilty, the 31-year-old Fried faces over 100 years in federal prison. And finally, in our new segment on a Monday morning, Christmas is not that far away. Well, it's not exactly around the corner either, but retailers are obviously already thinking about Christmas season. As Aaron Rial tells us, retailers say they'll be offering record-setting discounts for online shoppers this year in an effort to entice inflation-weary consumers to buy. Projections by Adobe Analytics show that retailers are prepared to offer up to 35% off list prices this holiday season with the deepest discounts on toys, electronics, and apparel. Consumers are projected to spend $221 billion online shopping between November 1st and the end of the year. That represents growth of 4.8% year over year. Consumers continue to lean on buy now, pay later options like Affirm and PayPal as an alternative to credit cards and are expected to spend aggressively, even as concerns about rising costs and the health of the overall economy linger. It is a Monday morning. It's October 9th. Thanks for tuning in to Ave Maria Radio and EWTN. This program is co-produced by both, and we'll be right back. The Wisdom of Mother Angelica. I went to Las Vegas years and years ago for one of these cable shows, and and I was uh, shocked to see all these old ladies in their 70s and 80s getting off that plane, running for a slot machine. You don't have a chance to win. They're all fixed. I know, my uncle used to have slot machines. <laughs> EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic.
People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. Welcome back, Catholic Connection, and this is your Pro-Life Radio Network and also your Eucharistic Radio Network, of course, EWTN and Ave Maria Radio, and such an honor and a privilege to have Dr. Scott French back with us. Now, speaking of all things Eucharist and all things, of course, EWTN, Ave Maria, you know that we're very involved, both networks, in doing a lot of pilgrimages in terms of bringing people to, whether it be southeastern Michigan or to Alabama or encouraging people to take a pilgrimage overseas. Well, I actually met Dr. French last year on one of our pilgrimages, and we became fast friends, and he gave a beautiful talk on our pilgrimage about Eucharistic miracles because of his work with Father Robert Spitzer, our very own Father Robert Spitzer, and the Magis Center. And he is continuing that great work, and he's been joining us on a semi-regular basis, helping us understand more about the importance of Eucharistic miracles and recent Eucharistic miracles that are truly making a difference and reminding us that God is God. So, Dr. French, great to have you back on. And let's talk, first of all, about the work you've been doing recently with the Archdiocese of San Francisco. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Teresa. Thanks for having me. So, yes, uh, Archbishop uh, Cordelion uh, recognized that uh, there was an issue, uh, as we all know, with belief in the real presence of the Eucharist, and really, in the fullness of time, that's why God gave us the 21st century Eucharistic miracles, because we're in this huge spiritual battle over truth, uh, the truth that there is a Creator God, we are created uh, by God, and that's really what uh, one of the things that the 21st century Eucharistic miracles show us. So we're doing this three county wide because the San Francisco Archdiocese is three counties, Marin County, San Francisco, and then San Mateo, uh, to go to every parish, go to the schools. Particularly our youth need to hear this because they're hearing just the opposite mes- message from the secular world. So that's uh, this just got launched, and uh, it's going to be a year-long effort. And so are you doing presentations in all these areas, or how are you rolling this out? Right. So we're going to do presentations uh, for the parishes. We're going to have, uh, we're going to reestablish community with having uh, lunches and dinners. 
uh, and having people do Q&A over all these because a lot of people have questions because, again, the media is really good about suppressing the truth about how now science affirms that, uh, that there is a supernatural world. Life does not come from the physical world, but uh, that's not what you hear uh, on the secular media, which is pervasive, and so people have a lot of questions. For schools, we're going to, you know, do uh, probably working with classes, go to um, probably have other events as well, and um, just you know, a variety of, of venues to encourage families to get out and hear about the truth. So, yeah. so in terms of the Eucharistic miracles for the 21st century, which ones are you going to be concentrating on? Do you do them all or do you just do a few? How, does, how do you roll out the, the discussion on it? Yeah, good question. So really the the way we link it is that we link the Shroud of Turin, which has type AB blood, to the 21st century Eucharistic miracles, all four of them. Uh, there's the one in Buenos Aires in 1996, and the reason we call that a 21st century Eucharistic miracles because I'm not good with math. No, it's because it's because uh, the uh, findings didn't come out till 2005. And then the, the one in Chicago, Mexico on October uh, 22nd of 2006. Then the one in Sokoko, Poland on October uh, 12th of 2008, same date that Carlo Kudis died two years prior. And then uh, the one in Lenica, Poland, again, the Holy Spirit has a, uh, a definite sense of humor because that one's on December 25th, <laughs> 2013. So... Uh, that's why we focus on the 21st century Eucharistic miracles. We have a lot of science to show that you know it is a living heart tissue with living white blood cells in all these cases, and white blood cells don't exist outside the body for more than 30 minutes. So that's really what's uh, revealing. That. And again, it goes back to the Shroud of Turin's type AB blood, and uh, we tie in the biblical passages that relate to that, like Luke 22:44 where, remember, Jesus sweats blood, and that is a real condition. Um, we have modern-day examples of that, where a, a woman was watching her uh, husband and family drive off, and right in front of her, sadly, they were killed in this horrific car accident, and she fell to her knees and sweat blood. Mm. And so in each one of these uh, Eucharistic miracles, they have white blood cells on the outer wall of the heart tissue, living heart tissue. Well, that's a sign of stress, uh, just like with a woman, just like in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, it's physical, mental, psychic, and as well as spiritual stress. So that's why it's in the Bible, is because it's, it's God is saying, hey, this stuff is real. I really was. I really did come down to earth as a second person. Uh, I really did. And um, and I, yeah, I have eternal life, and your flesh, you know, our our bodies are, you know, when God looks at Jesus at the right hand uh, of God, He sees us. So that's why that's why Jesus became the Eucharist. Jesus is the Eucharist, and and we've just lost that. Seventy percent of Catholics don't believe, and so we're making this all-out effort to, you know, hey, you want to talk science? Let's talk science. Right. Right. 
talking with Dr. Scott French of the Magis Center, and we're talking about Eucharistic miracles, and in particular, an event that's being rolled out in the Archdiocese of San Francisco over the next year to really help people understand that Jesus really is who he says he is, body, blood, soul, and divinity, because we have so many examples, and we have just this great evidence in these Eucharistic miracles. So, Scott, let's talk about why Eucharistic miracles are so important. Why do you think so many are happening in this century, the 21st century? Yeah, that's, again, a great question. As we know, you know, reading the Bible, the Bible is really just a love story about how God breaks into our lives to help us out. Because God's outside of time, you know, we know from the Big Bang uh, theory that um, time was invented at the moment of the Big Bang. And so God's outside of time, so he knew we'd be in this position of the 21st century where scientists proclaimed, you know, no, we're in charge of life and death. Uh, life comes from the material world, and uh, 21st century Eucharistic miracles show that, no, God's in charge. God created both the physical world with the Big Bang, but life doesn't come from the physical world. DNA doesn't code for life. As I try to explain to people, um, how do electrons spinning around protons and neutrons cause thought? Right? How does that happen? And we know, again, from modern-day um, scientific evidence about the near-death experiences that people who are blind from birth that have no neurons in their brain with visual information, when they're undergoing, when they have clinical death, which is basically when someone's getting CPR, I'm an ER doctor, so when someone's getting CPR and they're breathing from pumping on the chest, their brain's certainly not working, and these brains don't, uh, don't have visual information in a person who's blind from birth and then uh, the other ones that are interesting are children. And, and these people, they have what we call near-death experiences where they float outside their body. And one of the cases I typically use is this uh, gentleman who has, is blind from birth, uh, has a cardiac arrest on the table. He's having some sort of surgical procedure. He floats outside uh, the, the room, floats through the fourth floor ceiling. He has never seen what a floor looks like, what a ceiling looks like floats outside the window uh, and windowsill of the fourth floor and sees a pair of red sneakers. Now, again, this is a gentleman who doesn't have any neurons in his brain that have visual information, the color red, what a shoe looks like, what a windowsill mm-hmm. looks like. And on top of it, he's floor, four floors down <laughs> being resuscitated. His brain's not working. So how do you explain that? That means that... that our, our life and our intellect is not from the material world. And that's why God is showing us uh, Eucharistic miracles, because, again, they're alive. Again, showing that God, so the Eucharist is the body, blood, soul, and divinity. So the soul of, you know, a fully human nature and a fully divine nature. And so the divine nature is what keeps us alive. You know, when God thinks about us, we're alive. So that's that's one of the main reasons, and there's others that we'll go through. But just wanted to put that one out there. One of the most important things is um, God. God is in charge of life. He's a creator, and has created us in love. And so that kind of goes against the uh, the narrative right now that you know everyone's either an oppressor or a victim, and and mm-hmm. that you're just an accident of life. And again, what is what's the What's the result of that? We have increasing in suicides in our youth, anxiety, depression, 
And then with the COVID lockdowns, the same thing. Because, again, we think that we're just a mass of, 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 of molecules put together. There's no purpose to our life other than, I guess, you know, making money or whatever. No, our real purpose is to go back to our creator. You know, our purpose in life is to join, rejoin God back in heaven. That's our true home. You know, we're supposed to take care of the planet, but Earth is not our mother. God, God created us. God created Earth. Uh, all the physical things are created, and so are all the immaterial, you know, or the spiritual, which is the soul, which animates life. That's, that's what these Eucharistic miracles show. Now, God is always giving us, giving us himself over and over and over again, not only in the Eucharist right at Mass, but as reminders all over the world. And there's a Eucharistic miracle I'd like to discuss with you when we come back. It's a relatively new one. It's not a new Eucharistic miracle in terms of the dating, but it's new from what Deacon Dominic and I have seen. We finally were able to go to Kasha in Umbria, and most people associate Kasha, and rightfully so, with the great saint, St. Rita of Kasha, who has a beautiful story of someone who suffered greatly and is a great witness for families and marriages and whatnot. But also in her church, in the chapel below, is another Eucharistic miracle. It actually happened in the city of Siena, but it's housed in Kasha in Umbria. But it's a fascinating story of how a priest who was not taking the Eucharist seriously, how this miracle really caused him to have a total, uh, you know, contrite heart and, and reassess his own view on the importance of the Eucharist. So we'll talk about that. And of course, what else is happening with Dr. Scott French and his efforts to help people understand body, blood, and soul and divinity, because these Eucharistic miracles are real. And the church tests this. The church goes through a process of testing this to make sure this is accurate. They take it very, very seriously. And that's why we can take it seriously as well. Thanks for tuning in to EWTN. Again, if you are just joining us, we are talking with Dr. Scott French, and he works with our very own Father Robert Spitzer at the Magis Center and is currently working very closely with Archbishop Cordleone in San Francisco, rolling out a series of talks and presentations over the next year, leading into, of course, a big Eucharistic celebration all about Eucharistic miracles, body, blood, soul, and divinity. We'll be right back. Father Benedict Groeschel. I often go back to my childhood. In church, we love to be reverent, to Christ present in the Eucharist, to Christ on the cross. But I was also impressed by the reverence of my friends in the Salvation Army. They had a little band, and I used to walk past the band on Sunday morning on my way to church. And I was just a child, but I said, you know, they're trying to pray to God. They're showing reverence to God. All this was reverence. Now what do I see? I hear one irreverence after another. And week after week, month after month, the media churns out things that make fun of religion in general and make fun of Christianity in particular and particularly make fun of the Catholic Church. No class. Absolutely no class. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. The arguments raging in today's society as to the state of marriage and who may enter into it shouldn't cause us to forget its permanent characteristics. 
According to the Catholic Catechism, the matrimonial covenant has two main purposes, the good of the spouses and the procreation and education of offspring. Our Lord Jesus raised this covenant to the dignity of a sacrament. The Catechism also reminds us of the indisputable fact that marriage is not a purely human institution. God himself is the author of marriage, and only God, not man, can change its common and permanent characteristics. It began with the creation of man and woman in the image and likeness of God who is love. Thus their mutual and unfailing love becomes an image of the absolute and unfailing love with which God loves man. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Welcome back, Catholic Connection. Thanks for tuning in on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, having a fascinating and very important conversation with a uh, semi-new regular guest of ours, a new friend of mine who was on our pilgrimage last year, our La Dolce Fede pilgrimage in November, and is an expert on Eucharistic miracles, working very close with Father Robert Spitzer at the Magis Center. And as we mentioned at the top of the hour, involved in a series of presentations that will be taking place over the next year in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, with, of course, the guidance and support of an excellent Archbishop, Archbishop Cordleone. So, Scott, I was telling you that uh, Deacon Dom and I had the chance to visit Kasha again. We were traveling all over Italy recently for our 40th anniversary, and Dominic had not been to Kasha. And, of course, we wanted to venerate the tomb of uh, the beautiful St. Rita and went to Mass there. And then in the lower chapel, there's an amazing Eucharistic miracle, and you can venerate it, and it's just phenomenal. And this one, and we're going to talk about this, and you're going to explain a little bit more about it, but this is really for priests, which I think is, is super. It's very similar, for example, to helping the faith of priests, as was the case in the Corpus Christi miracle in Orvieto. So in 1330 at Kasha, and this is according to the website, therealpresence.org, a gravely ill peasant called a priest so he could receive communion. The priest was very busy and said, okay, fine, I'll come over. I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit here. But through apathy, instead of taking the Eucharist, properly carrying it to the person who needed Jesus, he put the Eucharist in his prayer book, right, in his uh, breviary, and rushing over to see the person and distribute communion, when he goes to retrieve the Eucharist, the Eucharist had bled on the pages of the breviary, and those pages are there for you to see and venerate in this chapel, lower chapel in Kasha. It, it really is a phenomenal story because, as you know, Scott, what happened with the priest is he was so you know, o- overwhelmed by this that he rushed to this priest in Siena. So this is taking place in Siena, but the priest to whom he went to seek um, forgiveness was actually from Kasha. And so that's why the miracle is hosted there or held there in Kasha along with his relics. But what a story. And really, this one was for the priest, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. You're absolutely right, Teresa. And it, 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 as you mentioned, too, it links up with Miracle Balsana, which was then taken uh, to Corpus To Orvieto, to Corpus, right. Feast of Cor- to Orvieto for the Feast of Corpus Christi that uh, St. Thomas Aquinas wrote about. But even ties back to the Eucharistic Miracle on Chano, Italy in 750. And so all three of these were really for the priests. Uh, the one in Lanciano... Uh, Italy, it was, again, a priest who was having doubts about the uh, Eucharist being the real presence, and right in front of him, he's the only one where it's both the, the host and the wine, so the host turns into tissue, 
and the wine turns into blood. blood. Now, again, mm-hmm. in 750 A.D., they didn't have uh, microscopes, so it wasn't really studied until 1971 by a Professor Linoli, and um, found that just like, just by coincidence, has the same blood type as the Shroud of Turin and all the 21st century Eucharistic miracles, type AB blood. Um, and when they finally uh, looked at the tissue, it was heart tissue. So that, again, relates to the 21st century Eucharistic miracles. So God is, you know, just basically shouting. <laughs> we just have to look. Um, and, and again, these ones, the mo- that's why we're looking at the modern day, because, again, they've been extensively studied, uh, and but they all relate back to both all three of these Kasha as well as Corpus Christi, Feast of Corpus Christi, and again Lanciano. And basically, God is saying, "Look, uh, I'm in charge of life. I'm in charge of uh, of of who you are. You're made in my image, and you're beloved. You're a beloved child of God. And that's what we've lost that sense of. So." It, it's just fascinating. So the other thing I say is, yeah, it's possible all these things were done. You know, you, you, the Shroud of Turin, all these Eucharistic murals in the past, and now the 21st. It's, it's possible it's uh, aliens from outer space doing all this, that they have the technology to do this and fool us, but they also have to be able to travel through time. So why don't we just call it God? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, how, science can't explain these. Science can only the effect of a supernatural event, and that's what we're seeing with these Eucharistic miracles. My favorite one is uh, the one in Sokoka, Poland, because that's a nod uh, from from the Holy Spirit to St. Thomas Aquinas, and the one who did the Feast of Corpus Christi, uh, because in that one, on electron microscopy, you can't tell where the bread stops and the heart tissue begins. Wow. And Satan was not happy about that one, because because uh, they then had this rumor that, you know, that that the church had killed somebody and put their living heart tissue there and all that, and so they sent it to yet another medical school, so it was was actually a medical school. All these cases, they're they're examined by non-believers, and um, they all become believers after this because they can't explain it. So they sent Mm -hmm. it to another medical school, and the same thing, it's like, yeah, you can't tell where the heart tissue begins, and the and the bread stops. So transubstantiation, God saying, yeah, uh, Saint Thomas Aquinas uh, it was right. So it's just it's it's incredible. Well, if you look, for example, at Lanciano, we know that it happened in the eighth century. So as you said, you know uh, that long, long time ago, and yet there were tests that were done, extensive tests that were done in the twentieth century that backed up exactly what the priest had said about what happened. Right, correct. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, and again, they've had a chain of custody with that, and that and that tissue is still there. Uh, Thirteen hundred years later, um, um, that heart tissue is still there. Again, under stress, uh, but again, they didn't know that. But yeah, apparently, not only he, but the entire congregation, I guess, kind of like today, goes, "Okay, this is real." <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. He imagined the blood over, I think it was overflowing on the cup, and it was, just, it was incredible. So, yeah. When we come back, if we could, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the, the testing process, because back in, in you know, medieval times and you know, in early centuries, they didn't have, obviously, the, the means that we have today to test. But yet these miracles still exist, and they're still with us. For example, we just talked about Lon Channel. That, to me, in, in its sense, is a sign of that this is real. 
Yes, absolutely. No question about it. We're talking with Dr. Scott French, who are talking about the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, divinity, and specifically talking about Eucharistic miracles. And this is a a really important topic going into all the different Eucharistic celebrations that are happening over the next year, particularly, of course, the National Eucharistic Congress. And uh, EW Tim will be there. Ave Maria Radio will be there. It's going to be quite something. And we need to familiarize ourselves with these miracles, even if we don't have a chance to actually go to Poland or to Mexico or to Italy. We can easily research these online and learn more about them. It's an incredible opportunity to really explain to ourselves more deeply and to others body, blood, soul, and divinity, that this is real, folks. And if you've ever had the opportunity to see one of these in person, it's really something. I'll tell you what, I was so glad that Deacon Dom and I were able to go to Kasha and see that Eucharistic miracle. And that, again, is attached to a priest who had doubts about the Eucharist and was taking it far too lightly. It's a powerful story of conversion and reversion, as is a story in Orvieto and, of course, Lanciano as well. More with Dr. Scott French about where you can see him speak in the next year. He's working with the Archbishop of San Francisco, Archbishop Cordeone, rolling out a series of talks in high schools and parishes and grade schools all across the Archdiocese of San Francisco to help that Archdiocese really understand and embrace Jesus in the Eucharist. We'll be right back. The best way for the church to respond to this new woke religion is to actually begin to see it as religious. What they're offering is a new sense of believing, a new sense of belonging, and a new sense of behaving. They have new commandments uh, regarding tolerance and inclusivism and multiculturalism and egalitarianism. And what's remarkable about this is that the woke people seem to think that the Christian faith is a barrier. Look, Christianity has always taught that the gospel was a universal message. Christ died for all. All human beings are created in the image and likeness of God. And we all have solidarity in the fact that we sin. And yet the church gets no credit for its great cultural achievements. Look, the church has already welcomed every nation, family, and tribe. We are the first universal people. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. The following is a medical moment. Hi, I'm Bobby Schindler, brother of Terry Schiavo. Can you imagine receiving a phone call from your child's roommate while they are away at college telling you that your son or daughter had an accident and has been admitted to the emergency room, but they don't know anything more? In a panic, you call around the hospitals asking about your child. However, instead of being helped, you are told they cannot share information with you because of HIPAA privacy. You are terrified, worried sick for your child. How do you prevent this situation from happening to you? A healthcare durable power of attorney. This legal document will appoint you as their healthcare agent, granting you the rights to all information in an emergency and to make medical decisions on their behalf. As soon as you are able to, you need your child to sign these documents in order to prevent the nightmarish situation we've just discussed. They must be signed, stored, and easy to access so that you can have them at your fingertips the moment disaster strikes. This Medical Moment, brought to you by MyLifeAngels.com.
wrapping our, up our discussion with Dr. Scott French of the Magis Center, talking about Eucharistic miracles. So, Scott, the one thing I think is so important is that the church takes this obviously very seriously because of the Eucharist being the source and some of the faith. But in terms of the, of the modern day testing, there's a lot that goes into researching these Eucharistic miracles before they declare them miraculous, correct? Correct. Yeah, there's extensive testing. And as I mentioned before, it's uh, by uh, secular scientists, people that aren't believers. Um, and in, a, in almost all these cases, uh, they then become believers. Uh, for example, the one in, in uh, 1996 that was uh, finally affirmed in 2005, they sent it to a, a cardiology pathologist, Dr. Zugabi, uh, who was in uh, New York. And, um, and they didn't tell him where this sample came from. He said, well, you know, how did you get this living heart tissue with scars and, again, the white blood cells that only exist outside the body for 30 minutes, and they're still alive, they're still active, and this is from years ago, 10 years ago almost, and how is this happening? And uh, they said, well, it came from a piece of bread. And he goes, I don't believe it. <laughs> and then, of course, later, he obviously did come to believe it when he realized that that really is where it's from. Uh, so extensively tested, uh, the one that took from Mexico, same thing. Uh, this uh, hematologist looked at the blood, and that Eucharistic miracle, the blood is flowing from the inside of the Eucharist out. And so they did all this testing to prove that, it, you know, well, someone didn't dump blood on there. It really is effusing out like it's from, you know, a, a, a severed vessel, blood vessel. And um, it, it just, and again, they all, the heart's in agony. It's still getting repaired. It's still alive. And again, they go, we can't explain this. And multiple scientists, all these cases, many, many scientists. And then I mentioned, too, the one in Sokoko, Poland, where they had two medical schools validated because, again, there was this claim uh, that it was, you know, a fake that the church had killed somebody and, and put, the, put the heart tissue in there. But again, how could that keep it alive? It's just, it just right. overwhelming. So that's why it's just it's hushed up. They also is uh, extensive DNA testing. And we get a lot of questions about, you know, they've been unable to sequence the DNA. They know it's male DNA. And Father Spitzer and I have had a lot of conversations about this. What we think the reason they can't sequence the DNA is because, again, our world thinks that life comes from DNA. It doesn't. DNA codes for proteins, physical world. That's, you know, we're alive. Our cells are alive. That's not from the physical world. That's from the immature world, and that's why we think that God is not revealing what the DNA is because that's not the cause of life. He's the direct cause of life. That's why. That's why it's a grave, uh, grave injustice and grave sin to kill an unborn child because we we participate in life. We don't create it. Life right. is not from the physical world. Um, like like I say to people that you know. 4 billion, 4.7 billion years ago, according to the Big Bang Theory, Earth was rocks and water. How do you get living, talking, thinking, dancing, singing rocks? How does that happen? Mm-hmm. So, so, so that's really what's going on. So if it just matter, it's just electrons spinning around protons. How do you get thought? How do you get life? How does that cause life? Why, why aren't rocks alive? So science can't answer that because it doesn't have it. It can only observe uh, and, and this is, you can't observe life, right? You can see the yeah. effects of life. We can see that we're walking around. So, yeah. 
It's, it's so interesting because some of the situations with the Eucharistic miracles are, are familiar or similar. For example, you have the, the host bleeding in, in um, the Corpus Christi miracle or the Bolsena miracle, and then also the miracle we just mentioned earlier uh, with the priest uh, in Siena. And also in Siena is another one. This is very different, though. It's in, actually located in the Basilica of San Francesco in Siena, Italy. It's an ongoing Eucharistic miracle. This is amazing. We're actually taking our pilgrims, our wine and shrine pilgrims, our women pilgrims to see this in a, for our pilgrimage. And also we're going to try to get other pilgrims there as well. 223 consecrated hosts remaining miraculously fresh and intact for nearly 300 years. It happened on August 14th of 1730. Thieves infiltrated the basilica, stole the tabernacle containing 351 consecrated hosts. A host later found in an offering box covered in dirt and cobwebs, but again, the majority of them staying miraculously fresh and intact, Scott, for 300 years. How do you explain that? Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, see, get what, what the Eucharistic miracles are showing us, and, and this one, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great story. Um, it, what, what Eucharistic miracles are showing us is that God's in charge of the material world, right? You know, that first miracle at the the miracle at Cana, the wedding at Cana, what happens? He changes water into wine. Well, that's adding additional chemicals, right? That's additional physical properties. And same, same, that's what's, that's what's going on with this. He's showing that the bread, he's in charge of the physical, right? The bread's not alive. He's showing it physical, right? And then mm-hmm. with the, with the modern day Eucharistic miracles, he's showing that, that actually it, it, it is alive, right? The Eucharist is alive, and it really is Jesus. You know, Jesus is the Eucharist, the medicine of immortality, according to St. Ignatius of Antioch. The medicine of immortality, which was lost, we've forgotten that. And that's, he's showing that that is really Jesus Christ in there. And so he's showing that he's in charge of both. And if you really look at all the miracles that Jesus did, he successfully went. You know, he does resuscitations with the little boy and little girl, and then he does, um, and then he culminates that with Lazarus, who was brought back to life after four days, so really was dead, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And then he does the real one, where now, but he, he dies again, right? He's not everlasting life, because he died again at some point. That's why the Jews were trying to kill him, because he was evidence that, that Jesus had power over life. But Lazarus uh, still, um, still died again, and uh, then he does the resurrection, and that's prefigured in the transfiguration. I think we've talked about that before. Right. So, yeah, it, it, it's amazing how God is saying, you know, hey, let's let's talk science, <laughs> explain this. And He's just given us hints there and there. He, he, we have free will; we can believe or not believe. He's, you know, He's not going to force us, but uh, He's given us as much evidence as we can because He knew we'd be in this trouble. And He also gave us uh, Blessed uh, Carla Cudis because. Yes. Uh, uh, he's he's related to the Eucharistic miracles as well. So Carlicus died on October twelfth, two thousand six. Ten days later, on October twenty second, two thousand six, is the Tick for Mexico um, Eucharistic miracle. Well, then two years later, on October twelfth, two thousand eight, is the Sokoka Poland Eucharistic miracle. So there's a lot of theologians. Uh, and I tend to agree that, that, that basically God is saying, this is the first millennial saint. Because again, what did Carla Cruz do? He had a huge devotion to the Eucharist. Right. Uh, he, he did the, the online... Research for them and uh, put everything together. Yeah, yeah. Re- 
put it mm-hmm. put it all together, and he had famous sayings like, you know, when you when you stand when you sit in front of the sun, you get a suntan. When you stand in front of the Eucharist, you become holy. I mean, he just he had a love for, and it didn't even come from a devout family. Right. He would always he would always have his parents, you know, hey. I want to go visit Jesus, and he'd be driving by a church. I want to go visit uh, Jesus. And, again, now his, he's now in uh, CC as well. CC, so, St. Mary Major, um, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, God is, you know, he, he proposes. We just have to take that leap of faith. So you're giving all these talks over the next year, God willing, in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, and God bless you for doing that, because as we know, there's a great archbishop there, of course, Archbishop Cordleone, but certainly he has not been without his challenges, because there's there's so many problems that have existed, and he walked into a situation that was challenging, to say the least. Are you are you concerned at all about how the message will be received, or if or if they'll be the parishes will take part and help promoting these events? Well, like I said, we've just launched, and, and it's been uh, wildly received because, um, as you know, I've been doing these talks elsewhere, and people love this because people know the truth when they hear it, and they're, just, they're, they're getting tired of getting lied to and half-truths, and people know the truth when they hear it. And mm-hmm. so uh, it just it, it, it takes away this pall of what's going on. You know, the world seems to be collapsing because, again, we've gotten away from God. We think man's in charge. Man is his own God. You know, I can just determine what sex I am. This this shows that, no, we participate in creation, but there is a creator who loves us. We are loved into existence, basically, and it takes away that narrative, you know. So I think, you know, it's it's very interesting, you know, here in San Francisco, which is where a lot of these problems have arisen, uh, that's that's how God works, is, um, is let's... Uh, let's turn darkness into light and, and expose the truth. And, and everywhere, like I said, everywhere we go, is it, people love this. So, you know, it will grow over time. Uh, God knew we needed this. We needed the help. And, um, and, and he's shown up. Just like he did, you know, many times in the Old Testament, same thing. There's always a remnant left, and we've got to do that. And we have a work cut out for us. 70% don't believe in the in the real presence that, yeah. again, our, our secular world has done a great job of convincing people this is all a fairy tale, and yet they say science confirms that it. it's just the opposite, just like the Big Bang. Now more physicists believe in a creator God, because it's over, the evidence is overwhelming. You can't quote-unquote prove it, but, the, you know, the probability of this not being the case is astronomically low. So same with, you know, these Eucharistic miracles. Yeah, you can't say there's proof, okay, the odds of, you know, what's the other explanation? There, there is none. So, you know, again, like I said, the only other possible explanation is aliens that could travel through space and have technology. Well, again, that's God, right? And that, right. that just kicks the can. They're, they were created, too, obviously. They didn't right. pop out of nothingness. The universe was created ex nihilo. We were created out of nothing. Same time, the time came into... So people have a sense of that. You know, we have that sense where homo sapien religioso because we know you know our, our knuckle-dragging forebears understood this but we're so smart we we've forgotten it so, right yeah, so. yeah it's 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 amazing to me because you, I, I know that for for some people at me you know, what, what's that old saying that we hear for some uh no evidence is ne- necessary for others you know no evidence ever be enough in the case right. of the eucharistic miracles though especially the recent ones and even lanciano and corpus christi we do have evidence because they've been tested in, in the modern in, yeah. in modern day by by experts. Right, it's exactly right. Yeah, 
And, and some people say, well, I just do it by faith. That's great. But, you know, when you look at the research, the reason our children don't believe is because they think that science is disproven. That's all they've heard in school. And, I, you know, we learn that's, you know, how God writes straight with crooked lines. We learn during COVID that our kids aren't being educated. They're being indoctrinated. And so mm-hmm. we need to expose them to the truth. And I'm, I'm actually doing a, uh, both a high school and a, um, a college tonight uh, talks about this because they're hungry for this. Kids love it because they still have open minds, right? And they're like, oh, wait a minute, I've been told just the opposite, and here's all this evidence. How can, how can this be refuted? Right. So, yeah, it's, you know, God's moving. It's, it's, it's you know, we're actually going on offense. We're kind of, I think, I think the Holy Spirit was tired of playing defense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we're going to go for the heart of darkness and say, okay, yeah, we're going to show you. This, this Bring is it on. Well, know, Scott, we're glad you're out there. So how do people get more information if they're in California or going to be in the Archdiocese of San Francisco to learn about your talks? Yeah, you can you can go to the Archdiocese uh, website, and it's all on there on the Archdiocese, San Francisco Archdiocese, and San Francisco Arch.org. Um, mm-hmm. There's several websites. Uh, just uh, It's all on there. And, and where we're going to be and what we're doing and hopefully, at, as the year closes out, we're going to do programs, and hopefully have Father Spitzer come and other speakers, oh. maybe even Teresa Tomio. So, anyway. <laughs> so, so, anyway. I'd be honored, but I'm not in that same circle as you and Father Spitzer, but you know what? I'd be honored. Listen, Scott, thanks. Always great to catch up with you. God bless you for your great work on the Eucharist, and we will talk soon again. You can check out Scott's talks and also... Father Spitzer can be found on EWTN, of course, on Father Spitzer's Universe, but also at themagiscenter.com. And for more information on the talks, go to the Archdiocese of San Francisco website. We'll be right back. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and lighthouse work. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Is social media leading to more young women getting cosmetic surgery? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Our daughter and family just welcomed a new baby girl into the world. The boys in our family are now outnumbered for sure. I've witnessed how some of our girls often struggle with self-image and body issues. These issues are now being enhanced by social media. First Peter teaches us that it is not outward beauty that is important, but it should be that of our inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Studies indicate that young women are going under the knife for more cosmetic procedures in direct response to social media. Encourage the women in your life to practice self-compassion. Build them up. Help them find ways to be content in their own skin. True self-esteem is having confidence that I am who God says I am. For more on this, head over to our Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. 
Thanks for tuning in to the EWTN and the Ave Maria Radio Networks. Find us both online, EWTN.com and AveMariaRadio.net. In addition to the archives, you'll find daily at the archives section of AveMariaRadio.net. I always want to encourage you for news and views from a truly Catholic perspective, please visit our news sources. It's so important to make sure that you are seeing things through the lens, as Al Cresta always says, of Scripture and the teachings of the Catholic Church. So how do you do that? Well, my faves, Catholic News Agency, I use them every day, catholicnewsagency.com, the National Catholic Register, ncregister.com. And then, of course, there are great programs here on the EWTN network that help you take a look at the news, again, through a Catholic perspective. You have The World Over with News Director Raymond Arroyo. You have EWTN News Nightly every single night covering all the stories. In the U.S. and around the world, you have In-Depth. It's a relatively new program looking at issues in-depth from the news perspective. So just to keep that in mind, when you see something out there in the news or in the world and you're troubled by it, come to us. We've got the resources. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.